Before we get started, do you know which basketball shot Michael Jordan practiced the most? It's the simple chess pass, because he knew that the fundamentals are key to a strong overall game. If you want a strong career in corporate treasury, you need to download our free ebook explaining the fundamentals of corporate treasury. It's already been downloaded by almost 20% of you guys, so the rest of you just really need to catch up because they loved it. Head over to corporatetreasury101.com to get your free copy now. <clears throat> Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. Cash is king, so let's talk about how to manage it when it's physical. Today, Guillaume talks us through. Today, Guillaume takes us through how banknotes are created and enter the economy, why they're a huge hassle for corporate treasurers, and why your banking partnerships are a key part of managing the whole operation of digitizing your cash. If you're enjoying the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast, share it with a friend or a colleague who might be interested. The people most likely to listen to an episode like this are people like you, so we would be so thankful if you gave it a share. And with that, on with the episode. So, Guillaume, uh, I think a big part of corporate treasury is uh, cash management overall, right? How mm-hmm. does a company inflows and outflows of cash? We've talked about a lot. Yes. And, and linked to all of that is payments. Indeed. And payment systems. Yeah. Right? So, it's a, apparently a very interesting topic around corporate treasury. Of course. <laughs> as you doubt topics, it? As all topics are. <laughs> so, take us through um, what happens to money when we make a payment. Exactly. I'm more than happy that you asked the question, Usam. It is. The payments journey is super interesting, especially in the world we are evolving in, right? Everything's connected. We are talking about massive volumes all around the world, different instruments, etc. Obviously, the world of payments is extremely complex, like many things. And there are so many different ways of executing a payment. You can, for instance, have a physical based one, right? Like when you go to the bakery and uh, buy the best pain au chocolat so far, because when you'll have your cafe, you'll have the best pain au chocolat ever. But so far, you are buying them and probably with cash money, right? Like banknotes. This is a form of payment. You have also checks. It's not that much used in Belgium, but you can find that in France, for instance. In the US, it's widely used. And also the different debit and credit cards, um, the new way of paying things like with the phones directly, with Apple Pay, Google Pay. And then we have all the corporate treasury instruments, the very corporate ones like electronic transfers, uh, SEPA payments that people may have heard about already, promissory notes, etc. That's really more um, corporate sided. So it's a lot. What would you like to know exactly some about so, payments? Okay, those are payment methods. Yes. Which I understand. Yes. Um, but what exactly happens to the money when we use any of these payment methods? So mm-hmm. like, where does it go? How does it get processed? What's the point of the bank in between? Um, and how do different banks talk to each other? Like, what happens when a payment is made? Super clear. Okay. So let's do this. Um, we have so many instruments. We cannot detail all of them in one episode. Um, but let's break down what happens as you mentioned, to money, instrument by instrument, right? Which one would you like to start with first? Let's start with cash. Sounds fair. It's good because actually it's something really tangible. Uh, Everybody knows what we are talking about, right? And when we win cash, it's not the same cash as in cash management. Here we're really talking about banknotes, coins, physical uh, money. So 
It's tangible and it's still widely used, especially in certain industries uh, and all areas of the world, as we're going to see in a moment. But so retail companies, for instance, uh, use it widely. Clothes shops, we can think of, uh, bakeries and so on. Most of the people now accept credit cards, prepaid cards, etc. But cash is still widely used. And cash itself is made by the central banks, right? We talked about this in our uh, interest rates and inflation episode. Absolutely. A little no. bit, right? So expand on that a little bit. So what does that mean by where, where does the cash come from? Maybe give us a quick recap on mm-hmm. why cash is made or when it's made and for what reasons. Yes. So absolutely. We have a full detail episode on how money is introduced or taken out of the markets. But there we were talking about money in general. Here we want to focus on cash. But that's spot on. Uh, in Europe, for instance, the people that issue and print the money, but here print physical money, uh, is a collaboration between the European Central Bank and the different national central banks. Even though the European, the ECB, European Central Bank, still oversees everything, we still have national central banks uh, in the countries. Each year, there are a certain number of banknotes that is printed. And this is based on uh, the renewal needs, for instance, due to damaged existing banknotes, um, the increase in demand. It can be that people use more and more or less and less uh, cash, paper cash, or potential seasonality and so on. To give an order of magnitude, in 2017, those are not the freshest data, but that's what we can find on the ECB website, the French, German and Italian central banks produced 1.7 billion units of 50 euros banknotes. I'll let you do the math. Do you want to quickly do it, Hussam? Yeah, 50 times 1.7 billion is 80 billion-ish. Oh, yeah. uh, something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Let's say that. So in Europe, there are actually 11 high-security printing works uh, that produce the banknotes on behalf of the European Central, uh, Central Banks. The ECB doesn't have printers in their offices. They delegate that to the printing works. 11 high security ones um, that do that. Okay, but I don't have a bank account with the ECB. Right? No. My bank account is with ING or someone else like this, right? Barclays. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so how does the cash get in my pocket from the ECB? That's a very fair question. First of all, so you mentioned ING and Barclays. We are not sponsored by those banks. Um, yet. If, yet. If any of them wants to find us a podcast, please write us a bank. Yeah, actually, yes. But so happy to I'm send them on your way. <laughs> We are not discriminating any banks here. But so, you indeed do not have a bank account at the ECB, but the bank you have your bank account at does. ING, Barclays, PNP, whatever banks you choose, they have a bank account at their national central bank and the European Central Bank. So, once produced, to answer to your question, the banknotes are distributed to the different national central banks of Europe. The national banks then inject the banknotes into the market via the banking system. And typically, retail banks order banknotes to their respective national central banks and put them at the disposal of the end user via cash dispensers, ATMs, typically. Okay, so this central bank or the US Treasury, for example, in the US, right? That's something else that we are come to okay. in a second, but so yes. central bank would uh, distribute the banknotes to the different national banks that have a bank account with them? Yes. Okay. And then those national banks put the banknotes into the market via, like, if I take a withdrawal out of my account or whatever company, I assume, mm-hmm. also takes withdrawals out, like businesses and stuff. Absolutely. So just to rephrase quickly, 
the national central banks and the European central banks are working together. And okay. they are then transferring the money onto the market via the retail banks, the private banks. Okay. The private banks are giving it, in a way, to the end user, not the national central banks directly. But other than that, that's, that's, that's it. Okay. And yeah, that's it. So what was your question? Again? I said so the, the retail banks. Yes. To explain that, like they take from the national banks then. They receive the physical cash from the national banks indeed. Obviously, they do not order as much as they want, right? Otherwise, we should stop the podcast right away and open our own bank. Um, but as for you, when you go in an ATM and you withdraw money, your bank account is debited from the corresponding amount, right? It will be the same for the retail banks. They have a bank account at the European Central Bank. And when they receive physical money, this amount is debited on their European Central Bank bank account. So that's how it works. And then the bank notes are distributed onto the market via the retail banks. Is that clear? Yeah, okay, I think so. So you have the ECB in Europe, right? The European Central Bank, yes. to the national banks, to the retail banks. Exactly. To the individuals. Spot on. Okay. And you said about the US. So that's the European Central Bank. How does mm. it work in the US? Is Indeed. it different? Usam, I like that you asked this question because that's taking care of our audience. Um, most of our listeners, a great part of our listeners are in the US. So they, they love your French accent. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's take it like this. Which is funny because actually the French audience really likes the British accent that you have. So, so there you go. See, so all in all. Why do we not do so well in France? <laughs> <laughs> we have to dig into that. So for the US, indeed, I think it's important to cover it. Um, the process is rather similar, to be honest. The entity that decides how much money to print in the United States is the US Federal Reserve also known as the Fed. But the Fed doesn't print money directly neither. This is delegated to the Treasury Department's Bureau of Engraving and Printing. The acronym of that is BEP, the BEEP, BEEP, mm -hmm. BEEP, however they call it. In 2020, the Fed ordered, again for another of magnitudes, the printing of 5.2 billion Federal Reserve's notes. Federal Reserve's notes is actually the official name of the US bank notes for a total estimated value of, this time I've noted it, $146 billion. Okay. So I didn't have to do the math that time. Exactly. <laughs> I said it very wrong. So in the US, mm -hmm. you don't have an ECB, you don't have the European Central Bank, you have the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And the Federal Reserve, um, who get the money printed by the, the Treasury Department Bureau of Engravement and Printing, as you said. Exactly. Um, but okay, it's done by the Fed, uh, essentially. Yes. They're the ones that issue the printing. So in Europe, I got it. It was you have the European Central Bank and then each country had its national banks, mm -hmm. but the US is one country. So exactly. It, is it state banks or, or how does that work? So they do not have such a thing as the network of national central banks as we do in Europe. Actually, in the case of the Fed, the Fed has its own 28, what they call cash offices throughout the country of the United States to whom the money is sent via armored vehicles. Pretty badass, right? 28 cash offices then distribute the cash to the more than 8,000 banks, savings and also loans and credit unions across the country. Not only the retail banks receive the cash, paper cash from the Fed. And again, it's the same system. They have a bank account system with the Fed for which we describe the process for Europe. It's exactly the same. Okay, so the Fed has its own cash offices throughout the US. Precisely. Basically. So it's not like ECB to national banks to retail banks. It's Fed, Central Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. to the cash offices of the Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. 
to retail banks? Retail banks and also credit unions and saving and loans unions and so on. Okay. But so just one point. So it's the Fed that oversees the whole thing. But again, it's the BEP, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing that prints it. It's like European central banks and national central banks oversee and control the markets. But the ones actually printing the money are the, let me get my finger on it, uh, high security printing works. That's it. Okay, but these are just companies that they contract out to. Exactly. That's fine. But it's, it, the decisions about that are made by those. those Absolutely. Yeah. So that's how money gets entered, or cash, sorry, uh, paper cash, uh, physical banknotes are injected into the economy. Yeah. Uh, how about the other way around? When I make a payment or I make a um, deposit in my bank account, mm-hmm. um, does it go all the way up to the to the ECB as well somehow? Or? So that's very interesting. Um, yeah, that's one of the pot- potential scenarios, isn't it? So it depends who you pay with that money, right? So it's a bit particular. Let's say you pay, you give your banknotes to an individual because you found something on whatever second-hand website exchange uh, of your country. And so you give that banknote to an individual or let's say a very small business. Chances are rather high that this banknote will be used right away again to purchase something and not even pass by a bank, right? That's also one of the perks of the physical cash because you can exchange it and basically the person who has the money is the holder of the banknote. But in the case of the supermarket, for instance, you pay your groceries with a banknote, a chain or like food, clothes, whatever you, you want to purchase. And even certain small businesses, actually. Sorry, that's a bit blurry. But those will have a process in place to bring this physical money to a bank branch. And this is where the things become interesting, actually. Because once that's the case, they bring the money to the retail bank, then the retail bank, depending on the supply and demand, will potentially send back this money to the European Central Bank. So that's a possibility. Or just re-inject it, again, through ATMs or whatsoever, onto the market. Okay, so it can go... All the way back to the central bank. But why? Why does the central bank collect all the cash again? So they wouldn't purposefully collect all the cash, but it's a whole management of supply and demand, right? Depending on how much physical cash is needed, the retail banks will, let's say, everybody pays in physical cash as of now. And in one week time, your retail bank, Parkleys, BNP, ING, will be f- their vaults will be full with cash. But all of a sudden, nobody wants to use cash anymore. So they are sitting on this physical paper that they cannot inject, invest whatsoever via electronic means. So they say, okay, look, I'm going to drop all this money at the central bank, the Mm -hmm. physical cash, credit my physical, sorry, my non-physical bank account with that money and then use it on the financial market. Just like I would deposit cash in my bank and then get it in my bank account. The retail banks would deposit their cash with the, in the UK, uh, sorry, in the EU um, with their national bank uh, or in the in the US with their cash office of the Fed. Spot on. Exactly. Okay. Very clear. So uh, when I go to pay cash in the grocery store, that's mm-hmm. in the cash register. The supermarket would then deposit it with their bank, yes. I guess. Yes. Uh, and then the bank would decide, okay, if I have too much cash, I deposit it with my Fed cash mm-hmm. office or my uh, national bank. Right? Exactly. Uh, and, and so on that, that's interesting. Let's, let's break that down a little bit because as a corporate treasurer, but that's, that's why we want to end, right? To discuss mm-hmm. how you integrate that into corporate treasury. So 
You mentioned the cashier. That's a very important one. As a corporate, when you decide that you will accept banknote payments from your customer, if you're a retail business, you kind of do not have a choice, right? But it can be the case that B2B, for instance, decide to accept cash or any other retail type of things. And you can see that certain cafes and certain like selling points now do not accept cash anymore. So it's really a strategy business-driven decision. So let's say you are. The first, thing you, the first thing you need is you need a cash register to store the paper cash that you receive or a vault um, in order to save the money or like have it in a safe, safe place before you send it to your retail bank. And on top of that, you need a process uh, and preferably a safe one. So you want a process to bring this money, let's say at the end of the day or the week, depending on the amounts, to a bank branch. The money will then be credited on your bank account. Okay, so the employees just take the money to the bank? Uh, you wish, or actually you wish not, it depends. So it can indeed happen that the employee, at the end of the day, okay, I have my cashier full of cash, I would just bring it to the bank branch. Um, but as soon as there is a proper process in place, that will be done more via a specialized third party. Those third parties have qualified people and armored vehicles, which can be quite handy in case of transportation of a lot of cash um, and it comes of course at a certain price but it's definitely better safe than sorry in this case so you may have seen one of those uh, Brinks trucks does that, does that ring a bell like this armored vehicle yeah. with uh, Brinks in blue in the UK we had a company called G4S G4S, G4S is exactly. a very big company in the UK that yeah. does exactly that they will do the same exactly so that will be their job, actually. They will go from retail shops to retail shops and collect the money, usually at night or at certain... They vary the hours, not to be predictable. Mm -hmm. And they get the amount of money safely to the bank branch or directly to a national bank. Actually, that can happen. In the case of very small businesses, you can have the owner directly. I'm thinking of a butcher, for instance. He wouldn't have a process like this in place. He will bring the money directly to the bank branch. But that can become unsafe. And on top of that, in um, certain countries, it's definitely not recommended because okay. of the safety issue. Very clear. So uh, as a corporate treasurer, mm -hmm. you would be responsible for setting up the system for which your physical bank notes are transported from your cash registers to your retail bank. Right? So yep. as after a certain scale, you need a system in place for that. And a corporate treasurer would be part of that process to see how often do we need to manage our cash, our banknotes. Exactly. Um, yep. in, in our branches and how often we need to get them collected or not, etc., etc., and put that system in place. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. And actually, so it's, it's interesting because I, as a corporate treasurer, you one of the aspects is cash management, right? And when you have excess of cash, you want to be able to invest that money. How do you invest a banknote? You have to put it into a bank account and then have it dig digitally to be able to do bank transfers. Unless exactly. you're willing to go, unless someone that you want to invest with is willing to take your bank notes. Itself. That's very unlikely. But exactly, that's spot on. So you need indeed to integrate that properly in the overall. Some industries work on cash, like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we touch upon something very sensitive. Some industries. Do we call that an industry, though? It's it's an industry. Yeah, a shady one. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not a legal industry. industry. It's an industry. And do they invest with money, or do <laughs> they just? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know any treasurers in the. In so exactly, I don't know if they hire such uh, such people. Well, let's say that 
drugs industry taken apart, it's rather complicated to invest a banknote. So you would indeed need to digitalize it in a way, meaning bring it to the bank branch and have the bank adding the amount so to your bank. That brings some complexity as a treasurer, right? Like you again, it's a it's a liquidity problem, but in the opposite way almost. So exactly. this way, if your money is in banknotes, mm-hmm. it's it's not liquid because you actually can't use it. Exactly. That's a bit of a upside down way of looking at it. I'd assume yeah. if I had banknotes in hands, I'm very liquid. Yeah. But to a treasurer, you're not because it's not digitally available to invest. Exactly. So, wow. again, that's super interesting. You're a small business, let's say. You want banknotes because that's the most liquid instrument you could have because you just care about the physical payments you do to your suppliers. You probably go to your wholesaler in person or they come to you, deliver yeah. the project and so on. It's super liquid at a small business. But again, since we are talking about corporate treasury, we talk about big corporations, right? And cash very quickly becomes, yeah, cumbersome, let's say, in your process. Um, and another point you mentioned is bringing it to the bank branch, potentially to the nearest bank branch. So remember that one of our four fundamentals is bank partnership management, right? Again, that's something, that's something you want to take care of and ensure that it's done properly as a corporate user when you select your bank. If you're a retail business, you want to make sure, let's say, you're established in the United Kingdoms, you have 100 shops throughout the UK, you don't want all the people to go to just one bank branch precisely in the country. You want to have a bank branch for every or almost every shop you have throughout the country. So you need a broad branch network with your banking partner to be able to collect and optimize that cash process. So you want a bank partner who is geographically distributed as evenly as you are. That's a very good way of putting it. Probably some English native speaker skills <laughs> indeed. No, so, that's exactly. Because indeed, if, if I'm in the US, for example, and mm-hmm. I have branch in New York, uh, San Francisco and California, mm-hmm. I want a bank that also has a branch in each of those because I need to deal with my physical bank notes. Precisely. Right? Yeah. If my bank is only based in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. then I have to drive trucks or get a company to drive trucks of yeah. these physical bank notes from yes. San Francisco, California, New York to Austin, Texas, yes. which is a waste, uh, it's a useless uh, cost expense, right? I would believe G4S would yeah, yeah, charge you a, sh- <laughs> sorry, a, lot. a lot of money out of this. Exactly. Indeed. Okay. Um, and the last point I'd like to mention is actually reconciliation. That's something we didn't touch upon yet on this podcast. Can you define that? Yes. So a reconciliation process is the fact of matching a flow of cash with its corresponding item. Let's take uh, the legendary example of the Hussam's Cafe here, if you if you like. Let's say you have 10 cafes, right? And they are all receiving payments in physical cash, in banknotes from your customers. At the end of the week, you have those 10 cafes bringing the cash to the bank branch. But how do you know what this cash paid for exactly? Was it cappuccinos, flat whites, americanos, espressos? That's as far as my knowledge about the types of cafe goes. Yeah, cold brews, iced cappuccinos, oh, you have, uh, oat expertise. milk lattes, normal milk uh, lattes. Uh, that's a derivative, but that's well, awesome. you, you charge more for your oat milk lattes. <laughs> I want to see if you can sell more of those, right? That's true. So, or even those daily shoes, pair of chocolates of yours. Oh, so, all of those different items, how do you know 
what paid for what. So there is also a stock aspect that you want to take into this, but that's, that's another part. So at some point, you also want to know what your clients buy and so on. And that will even be more the case for a corporate business where you have hundreds of branches. You want to know what was paid for. And if you invoice certain clients, in the case of retail, it's a bit different. But let's say you sell, I don't know, I'm saying steel pipes, for instance, and your clients pay you after 60 days. You want to retrieve easily what flows correspond to which invoice. You all of a sudden have plus 10,000 euros on your bank account. What is that money paying for? You need to know, right, for your financial statement and the, and the consolidation. This is what reconciliation stands for. Matching certain flow of cash with an invoice, an item, something you sold. So for this example of the Hussam's Cafe, you will need a cash register that properly matches what physical cash transactions registered respond to, right? So when you sell the cafe and let's say the pain au chocolat, okay, there's five euros, 60, saying something, paid for this. Is that clear? Yeah, so you just need to make sure you keep track of, it's not just numbers going up and down, but what was actually behind those numbers and making sure that matches. Exactly. That's the matching part, right? That's the important part I get. Yes. Uh, the reconciliation is really matching where everything came from and tying everything together. Exactly. So it's not just things happening on one side and things happening on the other side, but also matching those two sides together. Right? Precisely. Makes so, a lot of sense. Awesome. And so last but not least, as a corporate, you want to make sure your retail shops, for instance, have the capacity to easily get cash and change from their bank branch. What I mean by that. So you will very rarely receive the exact amount of the item you sell when receiving cash. For instance, you sell a €2.60 coffee. Inflation is hitting hard lately. Um, but you will rarely be paid exactly €2.60, right? You will more likely receive a banknote of 5 euros or coins of 2 and another coins of 1. And even if your customer love your cafes and pain au chocolat, they will want their change back. So it's very likely. Unless they tip uh, your waiters and waitress very high. So your banking partner needs to be able to provide you with coins and petty cash. Going back to our conversation about, uh, earlier about distribution and freshly issued banknotes, this is also what they stand for. And that works for coins as well. The process is similar for that, but you need access to a nearby bank branch for that. Right, so you need to also not only deposit cash into your bank accounts, but also get coins and notes and stuff out of your bank to be able to give change. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And then you also need to reconcile how much change you put into your cash register versus how much other else came on top of it and then take out the difference so that you don't think you made a lot of money or you didn't, for example. Exactly. I mean, I will have no doubt that your cafes will be super profitable. Well, only some branches, apparently, from last time we talked about cash pooling. That's true, but that was a month ago. I guess they are doing better since. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, very clear. So, but this was really focused on, like, retail, right? Yes. So, like, if I have customers, like, individuals, B2C, as it would call, business to consumer, mm -hmm. um, that in those situations, what if I'm B2B, right? So, I'm a business that sells goods or service to other businesses. So mm -hmm. instead of a cafe, I'm the steel pipes company, right? You no. can sell typically steel pipes to individuals. You sell them to other big companies. I would say so, yes. So indeed. They don't use cash, I guess. So they could, but it's very not recommended. And most of the time they wouldn't. I mean, it's never impossible, right? So we did focus on retail because that's the perfect example for cash. 
With B2B, so business to business, um, it mostly depends on the area of the world you are looking at. Because certain countries, that's, let's say how to present that, lag behind technology-wise technology and infrastructure-wise, tend to indeed still use physical cash a lot, even in B2B. So that's possible. Uh, but it is slowly disappearing. Uh, there is supposedly less and less demand for paper cash. Uh, because of all the obvious drawbacks uh, of such payment methods. Like what? Oh, yeah. so, so, detail them. To begin with, it's physical. Um, you need to transport those pieces of paper physically and everywhere you go, right? Um, now, but we will see this in a future episode, but you can make a payment by pushing a button on your phone now. Why would you bother with physical cash? Um, and on your banking website, you can also just push send the payments and it's done as a corporates or from your payment hub. This is something we're going to come up with in a future episode. Also, it's physical, which means it's rather unsafe, um, at least compared to all the other means of payments. I mean, in case of banknotes, the cash most likely belongs to the bearer, as we just talked about, which wouldn't be the case of a check, for instance, already. It's still physical, but that's a paper-based instrument. So in the case of an employee bringing the cash himself or herself to the bank branch, how certain can one be that this employee won't get mugged or won't just take part of the cash, for instance? And it's also harder to have a proper automated reconciliation process in place, as we just talked about. Um, last but not least, you need a bank branch nearby your business, which isn't the case with an electronic payment or a payment by card, for instance. It brings all the drawbacks, but we're going to come to this in a future episode. That's a lot of mention to future episodes. Those are quite some drawbacks. Okay, but there must be some advantages, right? So what are the advantages of using physical banknotes? Yeah, obviously there are some, I agree. Um, so first of all, except for the potential third-party service provider that transport the money safely on your behalf and the banking service fee for processing all this, there are little to no fees when it comes to physical cash, which is great. For instance, you do not have a fee per transaction, which is the case for the other instruments we are going to talk about in this series. Also, it allows you to do business with little to no access to internet, for instance, or any technology of any form, which is why it's still widely used in certain countries. Um, but that, that's mostly it, actually. The only other aspect that I see is uh, the fact that culturally, in certain countries, using physical cash is still quite common. So people just like to transact with physical cash. Uh, it's just the way it is. And a company willing to do business in such environments must be able to accept physical cash as payments. Can I give you another one? Yeah, sure. Uh, counterparty risk. So if ah, my interesting. between me and a consumer or mm -hmm. a consumer and a business, the only counterparty involved in a cash transaction is the government because they issue the cash. Yeah. So, for me to trust, <clears throat> for me as a business to take the cash and trust that it still holds value mm -hmm. and trusting the government will still hold it as value because I can always go back to the banks and give the cash back and exchange it for value. True. Whereas if I'm only online, yeah. I'm completely dependent on the party that's using my, that has the digits on my screen, right? That's true. And that would be the bank or your payment uh, so you know there's a lot of intermediary payment providers nowadays mm -hmm. or paypal for example yeah so stuff like this so that's i guess true. counterparty risk is much safer with cash yes that's true but at some point so completely spot on i agree um but if i may challenge that at some point you also need to trust in the system because your banknotes are also worth something only because 
somebody will accept it as a payment yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's true. You can not trust certain payment providers or people that will hold part of your cash in order yeah. to execute payments. That's totally For true. For example, during a yeah. recession, the famous thing that happens is a bank run, right? Where everyone goes to get their cash. Very true. But if you put all your cash in a bank and mm-hmm. you can't get it because of fractional reserve banking and stuff, yeah. then uh, then you can't get it. And then you fell, fell uh, culprit to counterparty risk. That's very true. But if such things happen, yeah, there is a b- lot worst of bad thing things. To worry about. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's true. No, no, that's, that's spot on. Yeah. Okay. Well, very clear. Well, clearly, the fact that I was able to suggest that Guillaume means that you explained it very clearly. <laughs> so, oh, I feel like I in. understand this very well. Awesome. And I think I understand how cash moves around the economy now. That's super cool. Thank awesome. you very much. Pleasure. And let's talk very soon about the next payments mean. Which is? I'm tempted to talk about checks payments. Checks. Checks. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Usam.